We are back in the book of First Peter, and uh, we've been away, I think, the week before Thanksgiving was we, we left um, First Peter. We've been away for a little while. So we're going to be back in chapter 3 of First Peter, if you want to turn um, in your Bibles there to chapter 3 of First Peter. Just a little refresher. We've been talking about, um, we've been going through the book, we've been studying it verse by verse, and we've been looking at it through this lens because Peter tells us in chapter 5 and verse 12, Peter says, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. So as we're uh, going through this book, we realize that Peter wants us to experience the grace of God in our lives and that the true grace of God, the true undeserved favor that God puts into our life, we experience when we submit to him and we stand firm in these truths. So um, couldn't be more important than when we are talking about these instructions to husbands and wives. And so uh, let's read this together this morning and uh, we want to jump right in and take some time to study it. So First Peter chapter 3 verse 1 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When you see your... The, I tried to switch from my Bible to the screen. I thought it was going to be uh, smooth there, and I missed it. Um, that they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct... Verse 3 says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, these are these are verses that can be uh, difficult to put into practice, and they're certainly verses that uh, the world at large would tell us are are outdated and and uh, unfair and oppressive, uh, Lord. But these are words that you gave to us through Peter, and so we want to study them, we want to understand them, we want to recognize them as true, and we want to learn how to put them into practice in our lives. So, Lord, would you teach us and guide us this morning? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, uh, first Peter here, chapter 3, verse 1, it starts with this word, likewise. And so I believe what Peter is saying that if we go back into this, um, the last part of uh, first Peter chapter 2, and we were working through this in the month of November, but we see in verse 13 that Peter has told them they should be subject or that they should submit to, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Uh, in verse 18, he talks about servants being subject to their masters or submitting to their masters with all respect. And then we see um, here in 22 uh, and 23 that, uh, or 23 and 24, that Jesus, he submitted himself 
and entrusted himself to God the Father, he went to the cross bearing our sins so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So I believe this when he says, likewise, he's saying, just as Jesus put complete trust and dependence on God, wives, you can do the same thing and submit to your husbands. Or uh, ESV that I'm reading from this morning says, be subject to your own husbands. Your translation might say submit. So this is a difficult subject because the world would say, this is, this is old, this is draconian, this is oppressive. Um, let me just say, don't jump on that bandwagon. If the word of God says something, then we can believe it with confidence. What the world does is it twists the truth, and then it's t- it says this twisted thing that they're presenting is out of date, it's draconian, it is oppressive to women. When the truth is that God's word when it's not twisted, when it's not diluted, when it's not confused, it is the best for us. So this is the truth. Living under submission to God is liberating. That's the truth. Now, there's all in every one of us, there's a part of us that wants to be in control. Okay, I've got it too. I know you have it. I've got it too. But there's great freedom when we can say, okay, God, I'm not in charge. As Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. So the concept is easy, but the practicality of it can be, um, it can be difficult. It definitely requires endurance and perseverance. So let's, let's look at it. We talked about a, the, this definition of the word. Um, like I said, in the ESV we're looking at, it says to be subject. Your translation might say to, um, to submit, but this is a Greek word. Hupotasso. So it literally means to arrange under. Let me read this definition. The, full, the, the meaning is to obey, to put under, to be subject to, to submit oneself to, to put under subjection, or to be under obedience. And so when we submit to God, we're just saying, God, I'm going to be under your authority. I'm going to do things your way. I've got ideas. I've got plans. I think this is right and this would work, but I'm going to do what you say is the right thing to do. So we are just surrendering our will to God's will for us. This should be the, this should be the normal experience for a Christian. And we see that all through the scriptures. We're going to look at a, at a few of them uh, together this morning. So in John chapter 6, verse 38, we see Jesus being submit, submissive to the Father. He says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus submitting himself to the Father. We see in James chapter 4, verse 7, there's a command to us as believers. This is for all believers, men and women, in, in James chapter 4. Verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is very direct. This isn't, there's no question here. This is a, a instruction from God to us that we are, submit, we are to submit ourselves to God. Uh, I mentioned him already, but earlier in chapter 2, when we were there in November, um, all of us are to be subject to every human institution. For the Lord's sake, we talked about that. Uh, slaves and servants are to be subject to their masters or to be submissive to their masters. Um, In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, we are to be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this this is a common theme when it talks about submitting. It will say out of reverence 
for Christ here in this position. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it said, for the Lord's sake. And we see it, we'll see it here in a minute in Colossians. When we submit to one another, this is believers. Believers submit to one another. We, we recognize we don't always have it figured out, and other people have good ideas and good thoughts, and we can work together. There's give and take. But it's out of reverence for Christ. All right, so we'll get to some of these ones. So, so most of us are like, okay, you know, we're going along with this pretty good. We're cruising along. These are, these are all good commands. And then we get to the next verse here, Ephesians 5.22 says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And this is where the, the hairs stand up a little bit. And, and there, sometimes there is um, like, well, is this okay? And especially, like I said, the world is going to tell us this is wrong. This is backwards. This is old-fashioned. Um, but, but here it is in Ephesians chapter 5. Colossians chapter 3, we have a very similar command. Um, back one, verse three eighteen says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So again, referencing that this submission is not because your, ha- your husbands have it all together, but because this is what the Lord would have you to do. And then in First um, Peter chapter 3, going back to verse 1, we just read it. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So let me just start by saying this. Submission is an issue of structure. We talked about uh, the, the definition, coming up under one, someone's authority. It's, it's the way God has ordered things. And so when one person submits to another one, it's because this is the way God has ordered. We've seen Jesus submitting to God. We should all be submitting to God. We submit to one another. So submission is an order of structure and not an, an issue of value. So when it says that wives should be subject to their husbands, this is not because the husband has greater value than the wife. There is equal value. And of course, Scripture is very clear that men and women have equal value. This isn't an issue of value. This is an issue of order. So let's just be clear on this idea that men and women are equal. And we'll look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, This is the creation account. It says, God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So when God says that man is created in the image of God, we're not saying that men are created in God's image and women are not. This makes it clear. Male and female, he created them. Both men and women are both created in the image of God because they are equal in God's sight. There's equality there. Uh, In Galatians, we could look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. And Paul's dealing with the issue of faith and of unity and equality within um, in the body of Christ. And he says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. There's neither slave nor free. You being free or being a slave doesn't give you a greater value in God's eyes. There's no male and female. And this is why, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's a level playing field when, when we are in Christ Jesus. So, so men are not superior to women. Men don't have greater value in God's eyes than women. This is just an order of this is how God structured things. And as I was, I was kind of thinking through this, and I thought to myself, someone could ask the question, okay, well, if we're all equal, why do the women, not the women, let me correct myself, why do the wives submit to their husbands? We'll talk about that in a second. And why don't the husbands submit to their wives? Well, okay, good question, legitimate question. 
Um, why does Jesus submit to God and not God submit to Jesus? In the end, I don't really have a solid answer for you other than to say, I'm not sure, but I do know that that's what God said. And so when we read God's word, it says that Jesus submitted to the Father. That's because that's the structure that was created. And so when we see that wives submit to their husbands, it's not because the husband is better than the wife or greater or smarter or faster or any of those things. It's because it's the structure that God created. So if that's what, if that's what God intended, then why is it so difficult? And a lot of times, you guys are maybe starting to get to know me a little bit. When we're trying to get the, to the root of why something goes wrong, we go back to Genesis chapter 3, because everything went wrong in Genesis chapter 3. So there's just one verse here that we're going to look at. We know the story. God put Adam and Eve in the garden. There was structure in the garden. They were to rule over it. They, they had dominion over everything in the garden. God just said, there's one tree, and you don't eat the tree. This was, a, this was a, a boundary of protection that he put up. He said, you have rule over everything, just not this tree. So what did Adam and Eve do, of course? In, in their pride and in their selfishness, they thought, man, what does God know? I, I mean, wh- why can't we do that? He's got the knowledge and we don't, and so they wanted the knowledge. They, the, the, the fruit was said to be pleasing to the eye, so there was maybe some selfishness in there. Man, that looks so good. I'd like to have it. And so they ate from the tree. And this was, um, we've been there before. God cursed the serpent. God cursed the man. God cursed the woman. And so uh, this, is what, this is part of what God said to Eve after they had eaten the fruit. He says to Eve, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Uh, Now, some translations will say your desire will be contrary to your husband. And so, um, just to be clear, what does this mean? Um, I'm going to look in Genesis chapter 4. And we looked at this passage a couple, well, I guess it was back in November as well, but the the account of Cain and Abel. And um, Cain, of course, killed his brother Abel. And God gave Cain this warning. Um... And he said, uh, well, this wasn't the the warning, but he said to Cain after um, he had killed Abel, he said, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? Verse 7 says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Now look at here. Your desire will be for your husband. Its desire is for you. So just in the way that sin's desire was, was, for, was for Cain, like we're going to support you, Cain, we want you to do well. No, sin's desire was, was, as some translations would say, contrary to him. Sin was pitted against him. So in the same way, sin, this is what it says in verse 7, its desire is contrary to you in the ESV, but you must rule over it. Your desire will be, again, ESV would say contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. So the part of the curse was God said to Adam and Eve, I gave you some instructions. I gave you boundaries. I gave you a structure to live under. And instead of being submissive to me and, and, and be obedient to my will for you, you went against me. And so the part of the curse is husbands and wives, you're going to deal with the same issue. There's, there'll be a structure in place. 
uh, there will be an order and, and your desire will be to go contrary to what God's will is for you. So uh, right back to the Garden of Eden, we can see that where the difficulty with submission between husbands and wives comes from. So in opposition to submission is pride and selfishness. We see that in the garden. We see this, and I don't have the verse for you, the screen, but listen to this verse in James chapter 3, verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So if we have jealousy and selfishness within our marriage, there will be disorder. So uh, this idea of submission, and again, in, in, in the ESV, it says to be subject to, but this idea of submission is what we are called to as believers, but when we are selfish and when we have pride, then it puts us in opposition to God's will for our lives. So bouncing back and forth, but back to First Peter chapter 3, it says, let's look at it a little more closely. It says, wives... Be subject to your own husband. So this is important right here. It says wives are to be subject to their own husbands. It doesn't say uh, women are to be subject to men. It doesn't say girlfriends are to be subject to their boyfriends. Um, it It doesn't say that just all women are under men. It says that wives are to be subject to their husbands. So this this is important. Um, it's within the marriage relationship that we're that we're talking about, as we read in Colossians, this is as fitting to the Lord. This is something that the Lord has put in place. He approves of it. And so when a wife is submissive to her husband, she is pleasing the Lord. Now, a couple of observations. Peter is addressing the wives here. He'll be addressing the husbands in verse 7, but the, the address is to the wives. So this is, the call here is not for husbands to make their wives submit to them. It is, to the, it is to the women. We'll see in verse 7, it's not the wife's role to make sure that the husband is understanding and honors her. It's, that's the husband's role to do that. It's not the husband's role to make sure the wife submits. This is the role of the wife. And so um, it's, not a, it's not an issue of spouses making their spouse do what they're supposed to do. Each individual spouse, the husband and the wife, is to do what God's called them to do. And this is, this is a difficult concept, but I think it's really important. And we, um, it might have been, uh, Pastor Darrell, I think you were teaching this um, series years ago, Sunday school class called, it was an Andy Stanley study called I Marriage. And it's where I first kind of heard this idea that uh, in, your, in your marriage, your responsibility, whether you're a husband or whether you're a wife, is to fulfill your role, not to make sure that your spouse is fulfilling their role. So if, if I'm concerned with what I'm supposed to do as a husband to be loving my wife, and we'll, we'll see here this morning, to be understanding my wife and to be honoring my wife, that's my role, and that's what I'm responsible for. Sarah's role it, here, it says in verse 1, is to submit to me. And that's what she should be focusing on, what she should be understanding. It's not my role to make sure that she's doing what, I'm, what she's supposed to do, and it's not her role to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Each one of us should be reading the Scripture and applying it to our lives. So husbands, you read the Scriptures that pertain to you. We're going to read, there's one verse here this morning. If we were in Ephesians, most of it would be for the husbands and just one verse for the, for the wives. It's the opposite way here this morning. 
Jesus, uh, Jesus told the crowds once, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So as husbands, we are to read what God says about how we're to treat our wives, and we're supposed to do it. And wives, likewise, should do the same thing. Read what God says in his word, what you should, how you should treat your husband, and you should do that. So if we believe what we read, then we read this passage and it says wives should be submissive to their husbands. So we have to trust God with that. And so Sarah and I, in our marriage, um, we choose, choose to trust God that if we are obedient in this area, we will bring more glory to him than if we just do it our own way. So, of course, the questions, the, the questions start to come up. Well, what about this situation? But what if, do you know my husband? You know how he can be. Like, he just doesn't get it. Like, he, let's just read the verse. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. And so it, it actually continues. And so this is one of the what ifs that you could deal with. What if my husband isn't even a Christian? So reading here, it says, so that even if some do not obey the word, they're not even a believer, they're not, maybe they're a believer and they're just not even living a Christian life, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So even if your husband's not a Christian, or your husband's not living by biblical principles, wives, the command here is to, be, is to submit to them. Now, why would you say that? Well, you've heard the expression, actions speak louder than words. So I don't believe that this in any way is saying, well, you won't, you won't ever talk to him about Jesus. You won't ever uh, tell him about your testimony. You won't ever say anything about how God's working in your life. Of course, those things will be part of conversation. Um, but these verses are saying, be obedient to the scripture and they will see by your actions that there's something different about you. So this, the idea here is not, well, you can't ever communicate about God, but you're not going to be preaching every day. You're not going to be leaving tracks under the pillow, uh, you know, or um, when he gets in his car in the morning, there's all of a sudden tuned back to the Christian radio station. Like these things are, are, are not the way to, to win an unbelieving husband to the Lord. These verses are saying, by your actions, um, that you would, by your conduct, that they would see your respectful and pure conduct. So it, it continues. Um, well, let, let me say this though. In your in in a in a marriage relationship where there's abuse, uh, where there's concern for health and safety, these aren't areas where you just say, "Well, I guess I'm just going to submit." Um, where there's alcohol and drugs, where there's um, mental issues, you know, some of these things may lead to s- situations where. Uh, submitting is not in your best interest. Um, and, and I would just say, if, if, you have, if those are the kinds of what-ifs that you have, please call the church office, and we'll, um, you know, one of the pastors would like to talk to you, or we can connect you with somebody that you can talk to. Those are, those are real th- things that we deal with, and those aren't the situations where we just have to submit. And you, and you can say, well, but Pastor Jeff, you just read it like six times, and I did read it a bunch. Um, but if, if that's the kind of situation you're finding yourself in, just jot this down, 1 Samuel chapter 25, and there's a, there's a biblical precedent. If you're looking at, um, this is when King, King David, before he was crowned king, so it's just David, and um, basically Nabal was, was acting unwisely, and he had, uh, his actions had led David essentially to, to rally the troops. They were, they were marching on him. They were going to kill him. They were going to kill his whole household and destroy everything he had. 
And so in this situation, his wife Abigail went behind his back and she, she went to King David and, um, and, and she took action. She fed him, she brought, him, brought them gifts and basically changed King David's mind so, so that Nabal and the, and the whole household wasn't killed. So there, there is a biblical precedent when your life is in danger or your safety is in danger, your health is in danger. These are not the times when you would submit, but there are actions that you can take. So that's, that's a great story. Listen to what David said to Abigail. Uh, not going to be on the screen, but he, after Abigail took action behind her husband's back to, to save the household, David said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. So there is a precedent for that and, and there is discretion to be had. And you call the church and we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, so, you know what? But what about right? We everybody's got situations. Like what about like what if your husband's talking about selling the house? What if he's talking about quitting his job? What if he's talking about you know a new career? What if he's talking about you know buying a boat? Um, what if he's you know what about when it comes down to how we discipline the kids? And th- there's so many whatabouts, you know, and 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 what ifs. And so of course we could talk about you know ev- evaluating our your finances. We could talk about, you know, listing pros and cons. We could talk about getting advice from other believers. We could talk about specifically, sometimes God's word lays out how a situation should be handled. Um, and a lot of times that's, those, those are the kinds of things that the Lord uses to bring a husband and wife into agreement. And, and Sarah and I certainly have found that over the years, that as we read God's word and as we ask for advice and as we pray about it and as we seek the Lord, that we, we usually kind of come, come together on an agreement. But what happens when there's no agreement? Like at, at the end of the day, you've done everything and like today's the day the decision has to be made. What do you do? Well, biblically, the Bible teaches that wives would submit to their husbands in this situation. Now, let me also say this, and this is going to be my opinion coming out right here. This should be the exception. Speaking speaking to the husbands, I know the passage is to the the wives, but husbands, this should be the exception, not the norm. The norm should not be, I don't care what you think, you need to do it my way. Um, That's not... You want to talk about um, old-fashioned, draconian, that, that's twisting the truth. The truth is the wife should submit, but that is the husband abusing the role that God's put him in. And so um, there are a few occasions where I've had to say to Sarah, you know, I know we're not 100%, but I believe that this is what we have for us. There's been occasions where Sarah has come to me and said, you know, what? I know we've been going over and over this. Um, I'm just going to leave this with you, and I'm going to trust that God's going to give you the wisdom to make the right decision. Um, so it, it does happen. I don't think it's the norm. That's, that's a little bit more my opinion. Uh, the scripture doesn't really speak to that. Um, but I believe that as we seek wisdom, as we read the scripture, as we pray together, husband and wife together, as we ask for advice, that God leads us and guides us usually to uh, agree on a decision. All right, so let's continue in verse 3. Again, still speaking to the wife. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair, putting on gold jewelry, the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. So 
I've been studying this, and so you know, you read that the you read about the Roman women uh, who were conceited and full of pride, and and all their value was found in the clothes that they wear and the jewelry, and and it was all you know just competition between women about who had the greater status. You can read about the uh, how the women dressed, uh, the temple prostitutes dressed, and the 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 jewelry that they wore, and and you can kind of look at. You could you can study these things and you could just write it off and say, well, that's, you know, we're not dealing with temple prostitutes today. This isn't really for us. You know, it doesn't really matter. You can wear whatever you want, ladies. Uh, now, the, the other side of it would be to, to just kind of focus in on um, just the very beginning. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear. You just focus on that and say, okay, women, you can't wear jewelry. You must wear drab clothing. You, 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 you just have to knock it all the way back. Um, and I think both of those are kind of extremes that, you know, we can pretty quickly just kind of push to the side and say, okay, that's not really what this verse is saying. Um, I think it's really clear that we are made to love beauty. Um, we're, we're planning a, a trip, court, you know, court's graduating this year, and so, uh, Lord willing, we're going to go to Yosemite uh, when, after he graduates in, in first part of June. That, that's our goal. Why do we want to go to Yosemite of all places? It's beautiful. And so, so we're, we are, I think, the, as humans, we love beauty. But I think what this passage, when we read verse 3 and we read verse 4 together, is saying to, to the women... Your beauty doesn't come from how you do your hair and what jewelry and makeup and what clothes you wear. Your beauty comes from within. And instead of focusing on how you look and trying to please people by how you look, you should be focusing on pleasing people, more importantly, pleasing God by who you are on the inside. And so verse 4, I think, really here is the key to these verses, saying the greater importance is not what you look like on the outside, but the uh, character of what you are on the inside. Verse four says, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, working on your character, who you are on the inside with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, I don't know, you know, when, you, um, when, when you're watching TV this week, um, observe for me, if you would, uh, when the commercials come on, it's, you know, kind of the, the I, I really don't care what commercial it is, are they advertising with the the youthful, the the beautiful, whether it's the men or the women, people of society? Or are they advertising with uh, the older generation? Um, you know, people who you know the that are aren't getting around, and the wrinkles and the sags have come, and and, and they come a lot sooner than I thought they were going to come. But anyways. The world tells us that youth equals beauty. And, and um, what God says to us here in his word, that there is an imperishable beauty, a beauty that doesn't sag, a beauty that doesn't wrinkle, a beauty that doesn't wear out. And, and what is this? So for the, for the women this morning specifically, a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So there's probably like at least half of the ladies out there saying, okay, but like, I like to have fun and I'm kind of loud sometimes and I'm a go-getter and, and I'm excitable and I'm driven. What does this mean? Gentle and quiet spirit. And how do I fit into that? Because it says here that the gentle, quiet spirit is precious, which in God's sight is very precious. 
Well, of course, we want to be precious in God's sight, but what about the, 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 the strong woman, the driven woman, the um, outgoing woman? What, what does this mean for them? So let's, let's understand it. So gentle, your translation might say meek, um, and you'll, you'll remember um, when, when Jesus was preaching on the mountain, he said that the blessed are the meek, for the meek shall inherit the earth. So what does this word, what does this mean, the meek? Because we think meek and we're thinking quiet, we're thinking timid, we're thinking reserved, we're thinking like a little, you know, quite little church mouse or something like that. That's not really what the, the meaning of meek is. So you could have a, a powerful racehorse that is meek when it has the bridle in its mouth. So why, is the, why does the bridle make the horse, that powerful racehorse meek? Because the bridle controls the horse. And so the idea of meek doesn't mean without power, doesn't mean without strength. It means being under control, specifically under God's control. So a, a meek person is one who speaks under God's control, one who responds under God's control, one's who's, um, one whose emotions are under God's control. So this is, this is being gentle, and it has imperishable beauty. It's precious in the sight of God. When someone who's strong, when someone who uh, is capable, someone who has ability, is under control, and specifically under God's control. So the call here to the wife is to be, be, to be under control, and specifically to be under God's control. And it says, okay, but what about the quiet spirit? You know, like, I like to be the life of the party, you might say. Is that wrong? Again, I don't think that that's what this verse is saying. Uh, This idea of being quiet is an idea of being undisturbed or being peaceful. So I think... Um, I think about going outside. Some of you like to get out early in the morning. Some of you are out late at night. It's the same, for me, it's the same effect. You might be out late at night and you look up into the, into the heavens and you see the stars. We're blessed to be able to see the stars here in Blairsville. And there's just a quiet. Like there's no, there's, the road noise is gone. The neighbors aren't out. There's just a, there's a, there's a quiet. And for some of you, it's getting out in the morning and maybe the, the mist or the fog is still there. And there's just a, there's just a tranquility that's there in, in those moments. Um, it's, it's undisturbed. Like the, the day hasn't interrupted this, this quiet and peaceful tranquility. And so the, the instruction to the wife, what is imperishable beauty in a, in a marriage relationship when a wife brings the sense of peace and tranquility into the home? Um, when the wife brings this sense that it, it's okay, like you step out first thing in the morning or, or late at night after a hectic day, and, and you know, the, the world's crazy right now. If you watch the news at the Capitol this week, if you're watching people argue over the coronavirus and, and, and all, all these things that come in, there's just all that's going on. And you step outside first thing in the morning and it's foggy and it's just like, it's just, uh, you know, and you're like, okay, it's okay. You know, God's still in control. God is still in charge. And so um, this idea of peace and tranquility and, and steadiness. Why does she say to her husband, it's okay, honey, you've got this. Things are going to be okay. This is what God is calling, the, I believe, the wives here in this situation. So to bring gentleness and to bring, to being gentle and quiet is not, you're not to be heard. You're not to rock the boat. You know, you just go quietly about your business and make sure the house runs. That's not what this passage is saying, but instead be under control of the Lord and, and bring a peace and stability into the home. And these, 
the, this is imperishable, imperishable beauty. You don't have to be, you don't have to be young and and beautiful by the world's standards to to have this inner beauty that lasts a lifetime. And this is what God's calling uh, the wives to in this situation. So, um, let's read verse verse five. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. I find this so interesting because when I think about uh, Abraham and Sarah, um, I'm thinking about them laughing when when, um, the angel of the Lord came to tell them they were going to have a son. I'm thinking about... um, Sarah telling Abraham, here, here's Hagar. You know, this isn't working. God said we're going to have a multitude of children. It's not working. So here, here's Hagar. I think of when they went to Egypt and, um, and Abraham tried to pass Sarah off as, as his sister uh, because he was, he was afraid. And Peter here says, talking about wives submissive to their husbands, holy women who hoped in God, and he mentions Sarah. And so, for me, this is really just a, um, just a, an excellent example of what he calls husbands to in in verse seven, and what he's call, what he's noticing here with Sarah is, no, she didn't get it all right, but she obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and not in a sense like he was the Lord and she was a lowly servant, but it was a, a term of respect. She honored her husband, and we see here that Peter is honoring. Sarah for the good qualities that she had. And this is what the instruction is to the husbands here in verse 7. So, so likewise, husbands, live with your wives with an understanding way, showing honor to the women. And this is what Peter sets the example because he shows all, of, all the things he could have mentioned about Sarah, he honored her by saying she was submissive to her husband. Um, and so as, as we get into um, this this verse seven with the husbands we see particularly in the New Testament when there's instructions to the wife there's instructions to the husband uh, the writers address husbands and wives together so um, if we go back to Colossians chapter three verse nineteen where the it was said that the wives were to submit it says husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them all right guys don't be harsh with your wives. It's in scripture. You can say, well, that's just not a good idea. You're probably not going to get along as well. If you want to have a good day, you're going to be kind. It's, this is a command from scripture. Guys, don't be harsh to your wives. Love your wives. Ephesians chapter 5, we were there already for the wives. It says here for the, in, in chapter 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a whole, that's a whole message right there in itself. How did Christ loved the church. How did Christ love you and I? Well, he gave himself up for her. He went to the cross for you. He went to the cross for me. He, was, he laid down his, his life. He said to God, not your will, or excuse me, not my will, but yours be done. And so husbands, that's what we're to do uh, for our wives. We are to say to God, okay, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I am willing to do it. And we are to take action to love our wives. And of course, we're here in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 verse 7 that says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, 
since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. There's a bunch here for the husbands as well. Um, I'm going to read this in a couple different versions uh, because sometimes us guys, we need to hear it more than one way. So Amplified Version says, um, and we'll, you can leave just the verse uh, 7 up here if you would, Pastor Daryl. Um, or the first part of verse 7. I'm, I'm, we're just looking at this first part of having understanding and honoring the wives. Amplified Version says, In the same way, you husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, with great gentleness and tact, and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. I like that last part. An intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. We, we need to study and learn and, and figure out how this marriage relationship works. And he says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your lot, wives and treat them with respect. New living. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. King James says, likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife. This can be a hard thing for, for husbands. Um, live with your wives with an, in an understanding way, showing honor. Hopefully the showing honor, we understand that. We'll talk about that in a second. But in an understanding way. Um, earlier in our marriage, Sarah said to me one time, you know, you can be a real oaf to me sometimes. <laughs> and like a real oaf, I said, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so let me define that. If somebody else out there doesn't know what it means, it means stupid, uncultured, clumsy person. And she wasn't saying that in a, in a, in a derogatory way. I had heard her and she said, you just don't get it sometimes. Like you don't even, what she was saying to me is you don't even understand me. And so um, over the years, we've both used this term, not again, not in a derogatory way, but just in a, in a way that says, Jeff, you're not, you're not getting it. Like you're not understanding what I'm saying. You're not understanding how I'm feeling. You don't know what I'm thinking. And so if she says to, if Sarah says to me, Jeff, you're being an oaf, or if I come to her with an apology, sometimes I'll say, like, I've been a, I've been a bit of an oaf. And we have an understanding of what that means. Like, I was just too rushed. I was too impatient. I didn't take the time. And so, husbands, we need to take the time. We need to have patience. We need to invest in our wives to understand them. Um, you know, I, you hear all the time, you ha hear men say, you know what? You can't understand a woman. Like, women cannot be understood, and I've given up trying. Husbands, that's not okay between you and your wife, because the, the, the instruction here, the command here, is to live with your wives in an understanding way. The King James says, dwell with your wives. The idea is you and your wife are going to stand together. You're going to stand together, you're going to fall together. And so husbands, you need to, to understand your wife. You live in an understanding way. You learn what they're thinking and how they're feeling, um, why they do what they do. And it's a command. And the great thing about this command is the harder you work on this command, the better the marriage relationship will be. Showing honor to your wife. We need to honor our wives. We, we need to, you know, the, the idea that, oh, it's, it's old fat. You don't open the door for me. I'm a woman. I can open the door for myself. And, the, and, you know, little things like that. 
men, that's a way that you can honor your wife. Not that they can't open, of course they can open the door. What do they do when you're not with them? But it's a way just to show respect and honor and love and care and concern. Um, speaking well of your, wa- your wife at work, when you're with the guys. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't believe what, oh, my wife, oh, yeah. Well, be the guy that says, oh, well, too bad for you guys, my wife. You know, this is what she does. And, and be, be positive, honor her in front of people. Simple things that, um, one, make the, make the marriage relationship so much better. But two, more importantly, it's being obedient to what Scripture tells us. So um, we're going to finish this verse. There's about three more parts we need to look at. Um, here being the, uh, the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, of course, there's be a lot of objection to that. Um, I think just very... At a very basic level, we could say, uh, well, typically men are stronger than women. And, and, and there's exceptions to every rule. There, there are, I'm sure there are women watching that I would not want to be in a foot race against, uh, that I'd probably not want to play a basketball game against. There's, but the, the woman as the weaker vest, can she open the door? Well, of course she can open the door, but it honors her and it respects her by doing that. So we, there, there may be more to that, but it may be just as simple as that. And so we don't need to take that as some sort of rallying cry to say that, that Scripture is unfair or Scripture is against women. Um, just take it as it is. I think there's an emphasis to be placed here on this next little section where it says, they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And again, I think that's speaking to the equality of men and women. Men and women both, as, as followers of Christ, we both have an inheritance to be had. And that's with, with God and Jesus in heaven one day. There's not going to be like a, the men's club and the ladies' club and the one's got a lot nicer bathrooms than the other. We're, we're joint heirs, it says. We are heirs together. We are in this together. We are equal in the sight of God. But look at this, guys. So that your prayers may not be hindered. This is a, this is a big warning. If Husbands, if you are not treating your wife with understanding, if you're not treating your wife with honor, then your prayers, it says, may be hindered. Who wants, who, our, the way we treat our wives will affect our relationship with the Lord. And who would, who wants their relationship with the Lord affected? Now, all of our human relationships, you know, if we're not living in peace and harmony and if, and if we are sinning against one another, that all of them are going to affect our relationship with the Lord. But particularly with the wives, our relationship with the Lord, number one, husbands and wives, that's the next most important relationship. And, and husbands, it says, when you are not understanding and honoring your wife, your prayers will be hindered. If nothing, that's got to take, make a stop and, and think and and consider and and commit to honoring and understanding our wives. So, um, a, a lot of a lot to a lot to think about this morning. Um, I think we could all agree we need to pr- be praying for our spouses. Neither one of these things are are easy easy commands. Both of these, though, when obeyed, brings a husband and wife closer together. It um, allows them to minister more effectively for the Lord. So pray for your, for your husband. Pray for your wife. And now, one of the really unique things about this morning is that we're not together, which means everyone's in their own living room, which means there are a lot of husbands and wives just by themselves this morning looking at each other. 
you, you may or may not have the kids around, but you certainly don't have a pewful with you. And this really presents a, a unique opportunity for the hus husbands and wives this morning just to look at each other, you know, right now or when you turn the, turn the TV off. And just, just be honest with each other. You know, honest with yourself first. Wives, are you submitting to your husband? Um, you know, how, what areas could you do a better job? Husbands, are you understanding your wives? Are you honoring your wives? Uh, but then maybe looking at each other. How, how, do you, how do you feel like I'm doing? You know, I can ask Sarah. Sarah, do you feel like I honor you? Do you feel like I understand you? Uh, wives to the husbands, like, I'm trying to submit. Do you think I'm doing an all right job? You know, when, when you do this, it's really hard for me to submit, but when you do it this way, it's so much easier. Um, you know, husbands, I, you know, I want to I wanna understand you better, honey. When, when you respond, why do you respond this way in these kinds of situations? Um, I've noticed that um, you get really quiet when this happens, and I want to know more about that. So you can have um, some conversations. And, of course, um, you know, what could I do, honey, to make you feel like 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 you're honored, like I respect you. Um, so really unique that you guys are not with everybody else this morning. You're by yourselves. Um, wouldn't have asked for it, but I think it's special that it's worked out this way. And so my encouragement to you this morning is husbands and wives, just take a few minutes this morning, maybe this afternoon, to really uh, talk about um, some things and, and, and share intimately some of the areas where, um, where you feel like um, maybe you've been hurt, maybe you... Um, don't understand. Maybe there's ways for, for husbands and wives to grow together in the Lord and in their marriage this morning. So let me pray for you. I know we've gone a little bit longer this morning, um, but I think there's some great things in here for us this morning, especially great uh, for husbands and wives that are together uh, and have opportunity to share together this morning. So Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for your word and thank you so much that uh, we're not just out here on our own trying to figure things out and we are out here trying to figure things out and like Kevin said the, the there's so much confusion uh, and we're, we're we don't know if we should go this way or that way but we we've got your word that gives us um, truth and it gives us direction and in some areas of life uh, we have principles that we have to apply um, in, in other areas, we have specific instructions, and we've looked at a few of those this morning, Lord. And so, Lord, we want to be found uh, faithful. Um, I know the wives want to be found faithful um, and submit to their husbands because they, they do that because that's what you've commanded them to do. And, and we've got husbands who want to understand their wives and want to honor their wives um, because that's what you've commanded them to do. And, and Lord, we certainly want, wouldn't want anyone's prayers to be hindered because they're living in sin or they're trying to go their own way. So, God, uh, I just pray for the uh, husbands and wives that have listened uh, to this message this morning. Lord, I ask that you would be um, working in their hearts, that you would uh, be guiding them, that you would um, give them opportunity for fruitful conversation so that they could grow stronger together because... Um, as the as the marriage goes, so often the family goes, and as the uh, as uh, husbands and wives relate to each other, uh, it affects the workplace. It affects uh, so many other relationships, and it affects our relationship with you. So, Lord, I just ask that you would do um, a work in lives today uh, through your Holy Spirit in a way that only you can do. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen.